Hey guys, welcome to So What Else. I'm your host, Caitlin. So What Else is a story-based podcast. People come on here and just share their story of things that they've been through. And it just is so amazing and helpful to learn about other people's experience and to be able to learn from them. Today, we have the amazing Whitney Fur on to share with us her story. She actually is an adoptee. So she was adopted and she's a birth mom. She placed her son for adoption when she had him at, when she was 21. Her story is awesome. I loved, I loved my hour chatting with her. She's so vulnerable and open and shares about all of it, right? Just the whole experience, things that she was feeling, things that people said to her, feelings that she had after her healing journey. It, it's so good. It's so good. And we talk about at the end of this episode, how it's so important for us to share our stories and for people to listen to them, even people who don't feel like it applies to them, right? So if you're looking at this episode title and you're thinking, okay, you know, she's a birth mom, she's an adoptee, I'm none of those things, this doesn't apply to me. No, it does. You need to listen because you're about to hear about the experiences of someone else in the world and this can help you build empathy, build understanding, build awareness for people around you. And I just think it is so, so, so important. As I also mentioned in this episode, we've had a lot of adoptive moms on this podcast, which is amazing. I've loved hearing their stories so much, but it's really important to also hear from the other parts of the adoption triad, right? So there's the adoptive parents, there's the birth parents, and there's the adoptee. And I just love that Whitney is both an adoptee and a birth mom, and she's able to share her experience with us today. I just think it's so important. Keep listening. You are going to love her. Whitney, thanks so much for coming on So What Else. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. So you're in Denver, right? I am. I'm. Uh, it's actually kind of cloudy today, which is weird, but I uh, moved here about six months ago, so I'm loving it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so my husband's from Denver. Okay, he yeah, I grew that. up. Okay, yeah, so he grew up in Littleton, and then I lived in Colorado for four years. I was in Colorado Springs and oh, the yeah. Denver area. So, I mean, we totally miss it. We were just out there this summer. Oh. For a week, because we go, because his my husband's whole family's out there, so we'll yeah. go out and visit like once or twice a year. It's just like so nice. I know it's we we moved from Austin, and it's like that. I'm like looking outside right now. Um, the the weather here is just so much better, and there's we're really outdoorsy, and so there's yeah. just so much more to do out here. Um, people are like, "Do you miss Austin?" And I'm like, "I miss the tacos, and like I miss my friends, but like." I don't really see myself going back. <laughs> no, so. I get it. And you know what's so funny is that I think like people, I don't know, at least like out here in Jersey, when we say things like, oh, like the weather in Colorado is so great. Da, da, they're always like, oh, but isn't it so cold and there's so much snow? And it's like, no, like people think of Colorado and they just, they're thinking of the mountains. And it's like, yes. that's not the whole state. Like the mountains <laughs> yeah. are cold. And honestly, the mountains aren't cold in the summer, but whatever, right. you know what I mean? It's like, people are picturing like six feet of snow all the time. But my yeah. husband always says, no, Colorado, it's 300 days of sunshine a year. Like it's yeah. very unusual <laughs> it's, for it to even be cloudy. Like it's nice weather. It's not humid. Yep. It's, it's really lovely. Yeah. And there's not one thing that I've noticed is there's not as many bugs. Like, yes, that's like, I think it's because the humidity other places, but I'm like, 
there's not, I'm not getting like eaten alive by critters. So. Absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like my husband, I talk about all the time. Like that's one thing like in Jersey, it's so humid here. There's, yeah. and we live in a really woodsy area, which is very pretty, oh. but like there's so many bugs. bugs. And like, <laughs> I have always said, like, I don't think I could ever move to Texas because there's so many like creatures. Like, yeah, I was like, I just think there's too many big bugs. Like no, I couldn't it's do it. not. I, we, when I first moved to Texas, uh, like when I was little, I remember seeing my first like cockroach Ooh. and being like, oh my gosh, what is that? Cause yeah, like no. they're ginormous and disgusting. Yeah. And it's just like a way of life in Texas. I'm like, we don't have to live this way. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're like, guys, <laughs> other places, this doesn't happen. Yes, exactly. So, oh my goodness. You know, there's like I do miss the Southern hospitality of sure, Texas yeah. and like just that side of things. But yeah, I'm really happy here. So <laughs> that's we're, awesome. We're loving it. So. Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. Yeah. Um. So I reached out to you because I heard your story on another podcast and, yeah. you know, it's so interesting because on this podcast on So What Else, we've actually had three different adoptive moms come on and share their story. And all those stories have been a little different, like foster care or like international, whatever. So, and you know, like that's like kind of a normal thing, right? To hear from like adoptive moms or dads or whatever. Yeah. And then my most recent interview was with Brittany Salmon and she wrote that book, uh, It Takes More Than Love. And I was so convicted like by her book and by my chat with her and by her social media because I follow her and like she posts stuff all the time. And she talks so much about like the adoption triad. And she's like, it's not just adoptive parents. It's also adoptees, which are a lot of times now adults that are like walking around in life. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then also the actual birth parents. Like those are, these people are part of the triad and like, we should be hearing from them too. And then Brittany put up a specific post that was like, for every, what did she say? I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but she was like, for every like story you hear from an adoptive parent, try to hear a story from either an adoptee or a birth parent. And I was like, she is so right. Like, why have I not had that? Like, why have I not had that on this podcast? And I think that like, this is not an excuse, but there's not that many birth parents out there sharing their stories. No, there's not. Um, I, and we can talk about that more, but I think it's, yeah. I think there's a lot of like shame that comes yeah. along with that. And just kind of like, yeah, there really hasn't been a lot of platforms for birth parents to talk openly about that. And so I think that's like why we haven't heard a lot of those stories. So yeah, that's why I'm, I try to be open, you know, as open as I can be about my story so that hopefully it'll encourage other people to like speak out too. So totally, totally. Like when I heard your story, I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is so important, you know? So I am just like so excited to have you on here today. So, you know, so what else is like a story-based podcast? So, you know, let's just like get into your story. So like you, I know you are adopted, right? I was. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how my story starts. I was adopted when I was a baby. Um, and my birth mom was, and birth dad were just really young. Mm -hmm. I'm still in college. Um, very similar to like my story. Um, and so I grew up knowing that I was adopted. Um, I don't really remember a time in my life that I like, didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. My parents did a really good job, um, of just, 
kind of trying to normalize that and just being like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're adopted. Um, but you know, I was born in the nineties, uh, or like I was born in 90. So ran the case (laughs) there. And, um, and for me, I don't think there was a lot, like there's, there wasn't a lot of research. People weren't really talking about adoption. Like before my generation adoption was like pretty closed and a lot of people just didn't even know that they were adopted. Yeah. Um, so I say that because I think that we've come a long way since I was adopted Mm -hmm. or like since I was a kid, Mm -hmm. um, and like just the research out there and stuff. So anyway, I was, uh, I grew up kind of not really knowing, like, I didn't really know anything about my birth mom, birth dad, other than like, they loved you, but they couldn't take care of you. And, um, you know, you see, I think we kind of get all these perceptions from media and like other Mm -hmm. people's stories. And so I kind of like formed these weird (laughs) opinions about my birth parents. Um, and I remember when I was like really little, like when I was six, uh, I would pretend that I was, I think it was when the movie Anastasia or something came out and I was like, oh, I'm probably a princess. I'm like, yes, don't know. Oh <laughs> and, my gosh. I yeah, love, so, that's the best movie. Yes, it really is. I'm like, it, just, it didn't get enough credit either. No, um, it didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, so it wasn't all negative perceptions. Sure. Um, but then as you get older, you're kind of like, oh, I... I don't really know if this is something that is good. Um, like, right. I don't really know if it's something that I should be excited about, especially when, you know, you're, I grew up in a Christian home mm-hmm. and churches kind of painted this picture of like, um, you know, your rescue, like you should adopt because you're rescuing a child from like this horrible life otherwise. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of start developing all these, you know, ideas about Mm -hmm. adoption. And, um, as I said, I didn't really have a relationship with my birth parents until I turned 18 and I started communicating with my birth mom a little bit, like through email and then eventually through text. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And that was interesting. I'm going to be honest. I don't really know. I don't really think she's like the healthiest. Sure. So for me, it was kind of like, I don't even know if I wanted that relationship. Right. And my, parents and my birth parent, birth mom had kind of told me some stuff about my birth dad that I was like, oh, he sounds like a really horrible dude. Okay. Um, and so again, kind of formed these like perceptions about myself in college, mm-hmm. kind of said like, oh, I'm kind of from a messed up family. Sure. Um, I'm probably like, that's probably in my genetics or like in my blood. Mm. Um, and then like, maybe two years ago, I find out that my birth dad is like an extremely successful businessman. Really? Um, Yes. And I'm not kidding. It like changed the way that I looked at myself and I'm like a grown adult at this point. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And so I say all that because I think it's really important for us to make sure that we're painting like a, a, a narrative that's not, um, like kids are really, they're impacted really easily and they're going to form opinions about themselves, you know, from all sorts of things. And yeah. And that was one thing that I was like, Whoa, I have totally believed something that is not true about me just because of like something that I created in my mind. Right. Like I, I developed this perception of myself based on 
um, like they weren't facts. And even if they were, that shouldn't just, that shouldn't decide sure. like, who I am. Um, so that anyway. is really, really interesting. That's like, yeah. re- that's actually like very interesting to me. Like, cause it's just like, you grew up thinking, you know, and like, oh, that's so interesting. It's like, you grew up thinking like, oh, my dad's this, like my birth dad is this bad guy, you right. know? And yeah. so, yeah, like you sub, and even though, yes, like you said, you, we know that doesn't matter. Like you're your own right. person, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Like as kids and even adults, right. we naturally are like, well, you know, sometimes things are generational. Like if right. he had an addictive personality, maybe I have an addictive personality exactly. or if it da, 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 da. And it's like, this plays into what you yeah, think of like, yourself. I think yes. that that's so crazy. Yeah. And just no, like such is. a big part of this, you know? Yes. So anyway, so I'll backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Because that's kind of like my adopt being an adoptee, that's my story. But I think as a result, I had um, a lot of, I had a lot of like, I rebelled a lot growing up. And Uh so while I was raised in a Christian home, um, I really didn't have a lot of self-worth and self, like I didn't find myself very worthy. And I, I can look back and realize like I was really seeking affirmation and attention from men in particular. And so that kind of led me and I never, you know, I think because I didn't have a lot of self-worth, I never really dated great guys. Sure. Um, and so in college I was dating a guy, um, and this kind of like brings in the other part of my story, Mm -hmm. um, dating this guy, we'd been dating for about two and a half years and, um, he started getting into some, you know, pretty uh, heavy drugs and I kind of gave him this ultimatum. And at the same time, I kind of started reading my Bible again. And Mm -hmm. um, this is actually a funny story. So, you know, maybe Tim Tebow will hear this and uh, know that he changed my life. But Uh, um, I had gone to Tim Tebow. Yes, listen (laughs) up. Um, It's funny because I tell my husband, like, oh man, like he's the reason why I started reading my Bible. And Jack is like, okay. And I'm like, I thought we were going to get married. And (laughs) he's like, you didn't really. I'm like, we can't know. I kind of did. It's okay. You know, it's fine. If I can't be Anastasia, maybe I'll be Mrs. Tim Tebow. Yeah. I think there's like a theme here. I'm a little bit of a dreamer. So, um, so went to this like church thing with my mom and Tim Tebow was speaking. It was like for Easter or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that guy has it together. Like, I want to date someone like Tim Tebow. And mm-hmm. I've been, you know, I'm in this relationship with this like pretty messed up dude. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Mm-hmm. It's not a great reason to read your Bible, but it got me there. Hey, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> so long story short, started feeling conviction about some things. I'm not a believer at this point. I didn't really, I left that out, but I was not a believer. I was mm-hmm. raised in a Christian home. I did not believe in God. Kind of started reading my Bible, realized like, hey, I don't really think like we're living the right way. And it was very, I mean, my perception of God and Jesus and stuff was really skewed or just like not accurate. Mm-hmm. But I kind of believed that like if Jesus came back and I was, you know, living this horrible life that he wouldn't take me to heaven. And so sure, that was kind yeah. of my motivation. Um, and so I had a conversation with my boyfriend at the time and basically gave him this ultimatum of like, Hey, we need to get our lives on track. Like we need to start doing things differently. You need to stop doing drugs or like we need to break up. Mm -hmm. And so we broke up. And then a few months later, we ran into each other at a bar 
again, I had not like changed my lifestyle. I was just like dabbling in the Bible Um, and went to this bar, ran into him. We had one, you know, one last night together. And three months later, I was at a doctor's appointment to like get a physical for nursing school. And they were like, oh, you're three months pregnant. And I was like, no, I can't be because like God would not let me get pregnant with my ex-boyfriend. Right. You know, like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, to kind of give you an idea of like where one, I was 21 years old. Um, I never wanted kids. Like Mm. the idea of having a child was never something that I dreamed of. I had asked my parents to like, let me get my tubes tied when I was 16. Cause I like really was <laughs> yeah, committed yeah. to like not having a child. Yes. Um, they were probably like, why, like, what's wrong with you? But you know, <laughs> yeah. fine. Um, and so, yeah, I was kind of like, this can't be happening. Um, and then I got an ultrasound and I was like, you know, you hear the heartbeat. And at this point he was three months old. So yeah. like, I was three months long. Sure. Um, and at that point I was like, okay, like this is my whole life. Um, I'm kind of like an all or nothing person. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, once I realized that that was like this, the reality that I was in, it was like, all right, this is like, we're going to do this. And so I called my parents, they weren't living in Texas at the time. And so it made it really easy because I was like, they can't come like, you know, yeah, yell at me. Yeah. You <laughs> didn't have to see that. You didn't yeah. have to see them face to face to tell exactly. the news. Yeah. Um, so I told them and they were really receptive and they were just like, okay, like we'll find resources for you and you know, we'll figure this out. And, um, so they had actually just bought a house in Texas. So they were planning to move back anyway. So oh. total God thing there. Like, yeah. They were going to be nearby. Um, and so like literally the next day, my mom had found a pregnancy resource center. It was like less than a mile away from my dorm or my apartment or whatever. Yeah. And so I go and that's really when I started like, uh, processing everything that was going on. And, you know, my parents had said pretty much from the get go, like they'll help you find an adoption agency. Okay. And so it was never like, I had never considered um, like I hadn't really thought that far of like what sure. I was going to do. And then I did call the, the father mm-hmm. and I let him know. And he like offered to pay for an abortion. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, that's not the route that I want to take, you know? So adoption was the best option. I was like, we'll do this, you know, in a few months, this will all be over with and I'll move on with my life and it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and then along the way, I kind of started thinking about like, okay, what would it be like to be a mom? Mm-hmm. Could I do this? Other people do this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not that like young. I'm 21. Like, right. You're like, I'm not people, 14. Exactly. Like, yeah, like, yeah. People do this. Um, sure. And then my mom got diagnosed with cancer and that was kind of like the final straw for me. It was like, I can't, my dad is great, but mm-hmm. he is not a homemaker by any sure. means. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, my dad and I cannot raise this baby alone if my mom doesn't make it. Yeah. And so found a family mm-hmm. and placed him. I picked the family like based off of 
you know, I was really looking for someone who didn't have biological kids okay. um, because I felt like that was really difficult for me growing up with one biological sibling and then me being adopted. Oh, um, okay. and we can touch on that you yeah. know, more, but that was really important to me. And yeah. so I found a family, they were, you know, outdoorsy and like yeah. had a dog and another kid that wasn't mm-hmm. like biologically theirs. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, perfect. Yeah. So, um, come to the day that we, you know, I have the baby and he is perfect and beautiful. And mm-hmm. at that point I was kind of like, I, I had been very, I'm very like non-emotional about most things. And so mm-hmm. I'd been very emotionally detached from the whole situation up until okay. that point. And like hormones are going crazy at that sure. time. And so like yep. everything is, you know, everything's up for grabs at that. And I was kind of like, okay, I don't think I want to do this actually. I think I want to take him home. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's when my parents were kind of like, Whitney, like you've already, like the family is here in the hospital. Like you, you know, and they're coming from the perspective of like their experience as adoptive parents and they know what it's like being like yanked around. And so yeah, they're like, this is the right thing. Like you made this decision because it's best for him. Mm -hmm. And I'd like made these note cards that my counselor had like told me to make. And like basically reminding me of the reasons why I had chosen adoption. Mm, okay. And then um, a nurse came in and I was kind of like weepy and like kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do. And she was like, Hey, what's going on? And I was like, Oh, you know, I think I'm going to take him home. And she was like, Oh, well, why'd you choose adoption? Like everyone knew what was going on in that hospital. It's a very small hospital. And yeah, you know, everyone was like super kind to me. Yeah. And I told her, and like during that time when I was telling her like why, I was like, I can't, like, I can't take him home. It wouldn't be fair mm. to him. And so I signed the adoption uh, papers, like you relinquish your rights on Mother's Day. So, oh, you know, that was nice. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. They like, this one woman comes in with like a rose and she's like, Hey, happy mother's day. And I'm like literally signing the papers. Oh, and gosh. I was like, and you know, she, she had just like clocked in and yeah. another nurse came in and she was like, I don't no, know. No, no, and no. I was, I was yeah. like, um, oh, that's and then so like, hard. yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, and then, you know, going home with that, you know, you have a baby and then you go home without one. Um, yeah. And that was really, I, have never been more like emotionally just like overcome. Um, I would like wail in my parents' house. I don't even know what wailing is, but I was Mm -hmm. doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then shortly thereafter I moved to like back home. I realized that I, I needed to start over. And so I moved to Austin and that's like, really, I joined a church and Mm -hmm. from there on out, I really like I kind of pretended like that hadn't happened until it kind of started resurfacing in like really ugly ways. Um, but I do have an open adoption with him. Um, Mm. and it's super sweet because I get to see him like at least once a year. Mm -hmm. Um, I get to talk to him pretty regularly. His parents are like super gracious and just let him like FaceTime me if he wants, or, you know, I'll call him around Christmas or, so we do have a relationship. It's just not like, it's not going to be right. the type of, you know, it's not a parent child relationship. It's more of like a, a long distance relative and mm-hmm. a like kid type of relationship, which yeah. 
is way better than, you know, most people. And I think way better than what I experienced with my birth parents. So, okay. Yeah. That is my story. (laughs) That was really long. That is (laughs) no, I am all about the details. Hello. Like that is, this (laughs) podcast is called, so what else? I'm always like, so what else? Like what else happened? Like that. (laughs) So, I mean, there's so many things I want to circle back to. So like, first of all, I think it's pretty amazing that your parents it sounds like didn't shame you like at all. Like when you called them and you were like, listen, I'm pregnant. Like they weren't like, how could you do this? Like your life is over. Like how did, like they, it sounds like they were not shaming whatsoever. No. And they, my, I think my parents like had, (laughs) I think maybe I, um, vetted them for this almost like I wasn't the easiest kid growing up. And so I think they had kind of already been through the ringer with me a little bit. And at that point it was like, okay, like Mm -hmm. we're just like, this is just another thing that Mm -hmm. like Whitney did. And like, this isn't the end of the world. And I also think it's like, um, God had like really, I think, protected me from like the, yeah, like no one in my family shamed me, um, Mm -hmm. which was super, I mean, looking back, I'm like, that was incredible because that could have gone like, yeah, so many people get like disowned. So sure. Totally. What was it like being pregnant as a 21 year old? Like, and then like when you're like showing, like it, it was obviously you were pregnant. Like would people (laughs) say things that would be like uncomfortable? Like what was that experience like? Yeah, that experience was interesting. I, um, I feel like one, I don't think I realized how weird it was until afterwards. And I was like, Oh, that was a weird experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I lived in a college town and I worked Uh at this coffee shop, like on campus. And, um, I, remember getting the job before I was showing. And then once I started showing, like I had to tell my boss Mm -hmm. and I was like, Hey, I want to let you know that I am like pregnant. And honestly, I thought he was going to fire me. Cause I was Um, like, he's not going to want a pregnant girl here. Yeah. He's like, okay, that's great. And like, congrats. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Keep working. Yeah. Um, And so, but a lot of people, would, you know, come in and be like, Oh, you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of people were just like, just like, Oh, are you, uh, like, you know, they would kind of just linger for a second. Like they wanted to know more. Yeah. And a lot of times I would just like nip it in the bud. I'm very direct about things. Mm -hmm. And I also don't really like, um, I don't like passiveness. So, Mm -hmm. I was just always like, yeah, I'm having a baby, but like I'm adopting him. So, you know, I won't, I won't be like a mom. Yeah. Cause I yeah, didn't want yeah. people like they were regulars and I didn't want them coming in and asking me after the fact, like, how's the baby? How's the baby? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And I, re- I had a few people, you know, say like, oh, that's so brave of you, which I was like, I don't know if that's true. At that time, mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure how I felt about that statement. Now mm-hmm. I know how I feel about it. Yes. Um, and then I did have a few people like this is in Texas. And so, you know, Bible belt. And mm-hmm. I did have a few people like pull me aside and be like, Hey, I want you to know that like, even though you're, you've sinned and even though you got pregnant, like you're 
you know, you're not, you're not going to hell. Like God can still save you. And I was just like, thank you. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like those were the weirder experiences. Yeah. I also had always been very, I'm like very flirty. Just like, that's how my personality is. I'm Mm -hmm. not like, uh, just that's who I am. I'm very outgoing. And to kind of realize that like, oh, you're not able to like, like, that's not cute when you're flirting and you're pregnant. Like it's not, and like guys yeah, 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 be yeah. like, oh, this guy's cute. And I'd be like, oh, Whitney, you're six months pregnant. Like, oh my, yeah, they're not yeah, checking yeah, yeah. you out, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like those were the things that were weird. Um, yeah. I also was like, you know, you're in a college town. And so people, I was into the party scene and stuff. And so my whole life kind of stopped when I was right. pregnant. And uh, I, you know, stayed at home most most of the time. It was pretty lonely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a, all around, it was a weird experience. And did your friendships change a lot because of that? Cause you're like, I can't go out. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't have a lot of friends during that time. And my roommate was awesome. She was like one of my best friends. And so she would like stay in with me some night and like watch mm. a movie or like make me dinner. Uh, but like, again, like people still want to keep living their lives and keep doing things. Um, There was a stint where I went and stayed with my parents for a little bit because my mom was sick and I ended up dropping out of school because Mm -hmm. of everything that was going on. Yeah. And um, I went back later and Mm -hmm. uh, that also I think was helpful because it kind of gave me this like buffer. They were really short. They were like an hour and a half away. So it kind of gave me like a break when Mm -hmm. I needed to get out. I spent a lot of time at the pregnancy center, just like hanging out. Yeah. Um, cause you know, they were nice and they let me hang out. Yeah. So, but yeah, your friendships definitely changed. And, uh, you know, I think people also expected me to kind of just come back to our, like join, rejoin the group afterwards because I'd been pregnant. I, and because I had decided to kind of live my life differently. I, mm-hmm had started trusting Jesus at that point. And mm-hmm. so I knew I didn't want to go back into the party scene. And so my relationships during the pregnancy changed. And then I think after I knew that I didn't want to keep living that lifestyle. And so the friendships that I had had, um, like were drastically altered just because we didn't have anything in common anymore. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, the, it, I would say it's, it's lonely when you're single and you're pregnant, um, especially when you're in a college town or like when you're young, mm-hmm. uh, like people don't know what to do with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't yeah, really sure. know what to do either. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So tell me about that. You said that like your life was drastically changed while you were pregnant. You started yeah. trusting in Jesus. Like what, what was that like for you? How did that happen? Like, what's that story? Yeah. So after I found out I was pregnant, I kind of realized like, okay, God is definitely trying to get my attention here. Mm. Like if I go through this really hard experience and I'm not changed, like that would be really sad. Mm. Um, and then I also really felt just like so alone. Um, you know, I dated this guy for two and a half years and yeah, we loved each other. And he and I had been broken up for like two months, three months when I found out and he was already dating someone else oh. and was like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Yeah. And so like, that was really 
hard. And yeah. I remember laying on the floor one night and I don't remember what I was listening. Like I was listening to a Christian song, but it, I don't remember what it was. And I remember being like, God is literally the only person that I can trust in this world. And mm-hmm. like, he's the only one, cause I grew up in a Christian home. So I kind of like knew who God yeah. was. And I was like, he's the only one that's never abandoned me. Like even now he's pursuing me. Mm-hmm. And so like, I maybe can't trust anyone else, but I can like 100% trust him. And like, he's not going to abandon me. And it was like, I would say, even though things were really lonely for me, the time that I had with God during that season was like so sweet because he had also like my mom and dad were going through like their own thing with my mom having cancer. Sure. And so like, I was really dependent on God to like, get me through things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't really have many seasons where you're like, I think in America, especially we're like so fortunate to have so many things that Mm -hmm. you don't often really, and we're so busy that we don't really think about our like desperation and our need for God. Yeah, And it was just so apparent during that season Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, I, I was like, I can't go back like to who I was before. Um, Mm -hmm. That would just be tragic. Mm -hmm. And, and then after I had him, I did have like a few weeks where I went out and like partied and Mm -hmm. I was like, this isn't what I want. Like, I know this isn't what I want. And that's when I moved to Austin Mm -hmm. just to kind of like remove myself from that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So I love what you said that like, if I go through this really hard thing and it doesn't change me, that would be like such a waste. I think like, that's like. That is so beautiful because it really is so true. Like all of us, obviously, like, listen, if we were the authors of our own life story, none of us would write hardship into it. Like, of course we wouldn't. But when we look back on our lives and we look at the hard times, those are the times where we like obviously grew the most and changed the most and it made us into who we are. And so I think that that's really beautiful that like, it's very unusual to have that insight when you're in it. And I think that that's really cool that you were in it and, and had that conviction. You know what I mean? I think that's really, really, really cool. No, the Lord was, I mean, I look back and I'm like, man, I was like, I I have my journal from when I was pregnant. I was like, man, I was like kind of wise back then. Like, like, you know, (laughs) look at me. Yeah. I was like, oh, look at you go Whitney, you're 21. But I feel like the Lord was just, I mean, I really didn't have a whole lot to do other than like, pray and work. And so, you know, there I was. So, well, and you said that also at the birth, you had these note cards that your counselor told you to write. So you were also like meeting with a counselor, which I think is like life-changing. Yes. That is actually one thing that, um, I mean, I, I think I've heard you say like counseling has like changed your life. And yeah, I was never, my parents tried to get me to go to counseling when I was younger because they were like, you're so messed up. Like what's wrong with you? (laughs) And I was like, I'm not messed up. I'm just being a teenager. Yeah. And you know, so I hated counseling. And then when I got pregnant, the adoption, once I chose the adoption agency, they paid for uh, counseling for you. How amazing. Yeah. Which was awesome. And so like they literally paid for counseling from like, throughout your entire pregnancy. And then I think it was six months after the pregnancy. Wow. Yeah. And so I, that's actually how the, the counseling center that they like chose, cause it was like a Christian based counseling center and sure. they chose the counseling mm-hmm. that they, like they didn't, 
just say, pick whatever counselor you want. Right, right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, but it was like through the woman who worked there, worked at the church that I ended up eventually joining. And yeah, I mean, I switched counselors because she got pregnant shortly after I had the baby. And I was oh, like, okay. I can't. Yeah, do that's this. a little like, triggering. This yeah, is hard. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, but I've seen, I still like do counseling virtually because I, I think it's great. It's super Absolutely. helpful. And I don't think I would have been okay without it. So totally. <laughs> wow. That's so amazing. You said before um, that, you know, you said the people used to tell you that you were really brave for yeah. um, placing your son for adoption. But now you said, I know what I feel about that now or whatever. Yeah. What do you mean about that? Yeah. Um, I had grown up hearing that like, oh, it's so brave of like your mom was so brave to place you for adoption. Mm -hmm. And in the back of my like little mind, I was like, she abandoned me. Like, Mm. um, and so I already didn't love that phrase. Um, but you know, you're kind of like, well, I didn't know what she was going through, but I think for me, and, and everyone's story is different. And so I don't want to like, I think some people like choosing adoption is like the bravest thing that they could do. Sure. So I don't want to assign uh, that, this feeling for like everyone, but I mm-hmm. do, regardless of like why you chose adoption, I, I mean, I would be surprised if, if people didn't experience shame. Mm-hmm. I experienced so much shame and like remorse about that decision because mm-hmm. my decision was mainly selfish. It was like, I had a really good family, Mm -hmm. like, or like they were financially, you know, well off. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like I would have been raising this baby on the side of the road. Sure. Um, I was 21. It's not like I was like, again, a child, child. Right. Um, you know, I, I could have raised him and I really just didn't want to, because I didn't want my life to change. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to return to quote, quote, normal. Sure. And, um, so a lot of that for me felt, and there were other reasons too. Like I fully believe that he has a better life because he has like, you know, it wouldn't have been an ideal situation. Of obviously. course. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's not to say that I couldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to. And so I think I felt a lot of shame, especially like later on, um, like a few years later when I kind of started realizing, you know, I feel like our brains are like a job of protecting us from things. Yeah. And so I really didn't feel the full weight of that until a few years after. Mm. And I was like, I gave up on him. Like I should have mm. raised him. And, uh, so when people say like, oh my gosh, that was so brave of you. I was like, no, it wasn't. I literally chose the thing that I wanted over like, like the brave thing to do would have been to like raise him and mm. suck it up and like go through the hardship of being a single mom. That would have been brave. Um, instead, I just chose to like give him to another family. Mm. And so, and I think a lot of that too is, you know, hindsight's 2020. And of course, I forget where I was at when I was 21 and like the things that I was going through and like my mental state and everything like that. Absolutely. But I think when we say you're brave, it's almost just like a a thing that people want to say because they don't know how to respond. Yeah. And I also think that like people say that, but going back to like how we paint adoptive parents, like they're not really painted in society or in like 
the church culture, they're not really painted in this like really positive light, right? No. Like, or, or like even like lifetime videos, like totally right? like, everything oh, yeah. that we know about like adoptive families is usually negative. Like, absolutely. And so I'm like, you're saying that I'm brave, but like what we say about adoptive or, um, sorry, biological parents is pretty negative. And so like, I don't really think that you think I'm brave. I think you just don't know what to say to me. Mm. And I'd rather you say nothing (laughs) or like say like, I don't really know how I feel about that. Yeah. Other than like, you know, slap something positive on it for the sake of not knowing how to respond. Um, and I also think that it's like assigning a feeling to someone when like we, I, I can't, I would not want, I don't want someone to assign that feeling to me unless I've said I feel brave. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. That so. comes up all the time in this podcast. Like people say things and it's like, you don't blame them, but people say things to people all the time. Like if they're grieving, if they, yes. whatever, like if they've gone through a hard thing, yeah. people immediately are like, I have to say something. And so then they just <laughs> say something. And usually it's like, not great. You know what right. I mean? Like a lot yes. of times it's like that didn't land, you know? And it's like, I remember in an interview I did with Tova Cito, she was like, listen, if someone is going through something that you don't fully understand and you can't like exactly relate to, cause you haven't been to been through it, just say, I'm here for you if you want to talk about it. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like almost like that would be like a more appropriate response would just be like, oh, listen, like if you ever want to talk about that, like I'm not sure how you feel about it. Like if you are feeling positive or negative about it, like if you ever want to talk about it, I'm Mm -hmm. here. But not, but you're so right. And it's of course people mean, well, I've probably said that to people. Like you're so right. Like I'm sure I've said that to people. You know what I mean? But it's like, And of course it's well-intentioned, but you're so right. Like we just like assign feelings to people and it's like, they're like, they're like, you have no idea like what I'm actually thinking or feeling about this whole thing. Yes. That's like, yeah, I, I used to get like really upset about it and be like, oh, I mean, growing up as an adopted kid too, people just say really dumb things Mm -hmm. um, about adoption and it's like, like, what? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think now, you know, as an adult, it's like people mean well. I have said things, I am sure, to mm-hmm. other people going through experiences that are that it's not helpful, right? Mm-hmm. And but I think that's why it's so important to like have these types of conversations because it like increases your empathy and awareness. Yes. Um, so yeah, I I definitely I mean the I wish. I have wanted to write like a little blog post of like all the things that people say to, to like not knowing that you're adopted and sure. stuff, or not yeah. knowing that you placed. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, if you knew who you were saying that to, you'd probably be like, put my foot in my mouth. Right. Yes. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> so, totally. You should write yeah. that blog. Honestly, <laughs> truly. Yeah. So you did kind of mention that you said it, you spent some time kind of acting like this never happened, like, yeah. and then it kind of came up again later. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I think afterwards, as I said, I really, and I've never been like a really emotional person. And I also had some like trauma in my life that really, I think my brain did a really good job of like compartmentalizing things. Yeah. So it was already like pre- you know, it was already set up for Mm -hmm. compartmentalizing this experience too. 
And so I moved to Austin and I, I was like really depressed, but I didn't know. Um, like I remember laying on the couch and like, um, I, I'm very active. I was like, I'm still super into CrossFit. Like mm-hmm. I love to run. Um, and I was like also trying to lose some weight because I had just had a baby. Mm-hmm. And I remember laying on the couch and just like eating peanut butter out of the jar. Mm. Yeah, and then yeah. like going and getting more food and just like being so unable to do anything other than like watch Grey's Anatomy and like eat. Yeah. And I I couldn't figure out like what was wrong. You know, I was, and then I'd get yeah. mad at myself. I was like, this isn't who you are. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't, oh, I found out that my ex-boyfriend was engaged and I Ugh. like full on, oh, and I was dealing with insomnia. Mm. Like, and I, so I would call my mom at like 3 a.m. and be like, I can't sleep. And like, Ugh. and you know, I was so, they like put me on Ambien to try to figure that out. And oh, wow, yeah. yeah, like, you know, and so then I found out my ex-boyfriend was engaged and I totally spiraled and I don't yeah. remember what exactly happened, but I like freaked out and I wasn't mad about like, I was over him. It was mm-hmm. more of the fact that it was like, you like literally yeah. haven't taken responsibility for what happened yeah. and you're just like moving on with your life. And I'm yeah. here like eating globs of peanut butter yes. depressed, like it's totally. not fair. Yeah. And my mom was like, Hey, I think maybe you need to talk to a doctor about getting on antidepressants. Yeah. And so got on antidepressants and that really was helpful to kind of like level me out. Yeah. And then I started going to a new counselor and it was during that counseling that like things started coming up for me that I was like, Oh, I actually don't really know if I've fully like processed what happened and like my decision and like the weight of it. Um, and no one really knew my story. I had shared it with like a few very close friends, but Mm -hmm. I was very ashamed of it. And I was like, if someone, I was working for a church at the time. And so I was like, if they found out they would definitely kick me out of the church Mm. um, or they won't let me work here. Um, and so I was like, what I am saying, like when I say like, I've moved on and like what I'm feeling shame. Like they're not lining up. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I, my, one of my friends was very involved in like foster care Mm -hmm. and she would talk a lot about like how it was, it is often better for kids to be raised by a biological family member than to like be removed from a family member. And like, so she was very involved in that, not always, but like, Mm -hmm. if it's possible that like that is, better. It's mm-hmm. often not the case, like, but you know, if it's possible, if the family is safe. Um, and I was like, wait, did I, did I damage my kid then? Like, mm. did I do the wrong thing? And so like over the course of probably six to eight months, I dealt with like a lot of just shame, mm-hmm. guilt, feelings of like, I am not able to like, I have to make this right. I have to like earn back like God's grace and like my place in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more you strive to do that, the more you fail. Um, and 
then it wasn't until I started dating Jack, my now husband, mm-hmm. um, there was like a series of events that happened during that, like that year where mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to share my story with a lot of different people for like various reasons. And God just over and over again, like met me with them in, in grace. Like mm. it was like, God was saying to me through these people, like I've forgiven you, like mm. you're not damaged. Like you're, you made a mistake. Like maybe that was a mistake, but mm. like, you're not gone. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And then when I told Jack, I, we had only been dating for two months, but I really thought that he would break up with me once he found out that I had had a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, Like who wants to be, it wasn't even that I had placed the baby. It was more of like, who wants to date and marry someone who's like been pregnant before? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why, but pregnancy to me has always been like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) And which is so funny because like, I, I'm like, that's not the case. Like when I see other people that are pregnant, I'm like, oh, that's so pretty. Like, no, so, I get it. But yeah. I'm like, Ugh. Like, but like you said, you wanted to get your tubes tied when you were 16. Yeah, it was exactly. just like, you had a like, thing about it. You were just yes, like, this just is like not. Yeah. Um, and so I told him and he was like, that's how you like came to know Jesus. And so I think your story is beautiful. Oh, and so, yeah. And so I think for a while I was like really healthy And I had like come to terms with where I was at with that, but it's funny how like that will always be something that I battle, right? Like, yeah, um, it is so easy for me to hear the lies and like hear like you're, these are lies that I've always heard in my head, but they're like amplified because of this experience of you're not worthy. Like you God didn't want you to be a mom. Like, Mm. that's why you had to place your baby. Like you weren't worthy of being a mother because people say all the time, like, you know, in the adoption world, they're like, you're the mom that the, that the Lord chose for like, you know, to adoptive families. They're like, you're the mom that God chose for this baby. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so then I'm the mom that God rejected. (laughs) Right. No, you're so so right. You're like, okay, so then what was I? yeah, Yeah. So like, I wasn't like, capable, which mm-hmm. might be true, but like, that's yeah. not like, God wasn't like, you're not good enough. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think I have dealt with a lot of shame and it is a constant, like I have to spend a lot of time reminding myself of like who I am mm-hmm. in the Lord and like my decisions and the way that I have like lived my life and the decisions that I've made and will make do not, um, justify my salvation. And they also don't exempt me from it or, or they don't, uh, validate my belonging to the kingdom. And they also don't, you know, exempt me from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important on both because like, we can't earn it. Um, like you can't, you're not good enough. Yeah. That's in quotations. I know people can't see that. (laughs) Air quotes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then like, you're also not too far gone. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, did that answer your question? Like, Yeah, the, I just okay. think that that's really beautiful. I love how you said that it's something that you will always battle. I think that that's like really important to be honest about. I love that. I think that everybody has something, you know, like yeah. for me, like I've talked openly on this podcast about battling an eating disorder in my past. Yeah. And even though I am like largely free of that, that will be something that I battle for the rest of my life. Right. You know what I mean? Like I have to, like those thoughts will creep in and you know what I mean? Like yes. things like that. And it's just like, 
that's okay. You know, like you said, like, I'm going to go through seasons where, you know, like, this is harder for me. Like, for whatever reason, like, something might be triggering to you. Like, Mother's Day might be hard or whatever. And it's like, there will be seasons that will be harder. And that doesn't mean that you're not healing and that you're not in a good place. It just, this is earth, you know? And it's like, (laughs) everyone has stuff. You know, and it's part of your story, like we said, and it's made you who you are today, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I think that's what's so like, that's what I want people to realize that have gone through this experience. Like Mm -hmm. you, like we're all doing the best that we can. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the time, the decision that I made was what I thought was best. And if like, regardless of your circumstances, if you've placed a child or if a child's been removed from you, like you're not any more broken than the person next to you. Mm -hmm. Your experiences are just different. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we just don't talk about the, like, we don't talk about the hurt that those, we don't humanize the, the, biological parents and we don't we don't really even humanize the the adoptees either it's yeah it's like a lot of times they're forgotten Mm -hmm. um and they're like literally the reason why adoption is possible yes um like we wouldn't have kids without the biological parents and you wouldn't get to adopt without the kids so yes like we should be talking more about this side of the triad and um I think like it's easy to kind of forget about the biological parents because they're not really going to impact your day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like, why would I worry about their emotional needs? Sure. Like how this is impacting them. Um, Like this was their decision. Yeah. And it's like, all of that is true. It's not going to impact you like directly, Mm -hmm. but you could have, like you have an opportunity to, like empathize and get on someone else's level. And absolutely. I also think it would be helpful for the adoptees to kind of know, Oh, my, my birth mom or my birth dad, they're not like, you know, uh, I mean, maybe they are really bad people. Like Mm -hmm. that's not, I can't say that they're not, but sure. Like thinking about the way that you're articulating that to your kids is, yes. I think, really important. Um, well, and, and your like, story speaks to that. You know what I right. mean? Like how you grew <laughs> yeah. up thinking, like, my dad's a bad guy, therefore I think I'm a bad guy. You know what I right. mean? Like, and yeah. it's like, it's so it isn't. And of course, don't lie. Yeah, there are some children right. that have been adopted and their parents have done really, really? terrible things. Yes. You know what I mean? And that is unfortunately a reality sometimes, but don't you right. think that's like a stereotype that it's like, that's, yes. every, that's everybody. They exactly. all are horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. It's like, every story is different. Mm-hmm. Like let's not slap this bandaid on or like, yes. not uh, like slap this title. Yeah. Or this label, section. this general. Yes. yes. Um, because it's, it's like damaging. Um, yeah. And and also it's like probably not always true. Like I've met a lot of great birth moms who are like living great lives and yes. they're thriving and mm-hmm. they're they're healthy and they're safe. And yeah. Um so yeah, that's not always the case. But when we slap this label on, it 
it like creates these barriers that I don't think need to exist. So yeah. Yeah. And I think it also maybe doesn't create opportunities for like people to be educated on like the reality that could be exist. Like I think there's a lot of fear when you're adopting of like, what is it going to be like around like the adoptive families? Like, are they going right. to try to steal my kids? Like, are they going to, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and it's like, if that's your perception already, then you yeah. already think that you know how yeah. they're like who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you take the time to get to know them, you might find that they're actually not that scary. Your yeah. relationship might be a lot better with them. Mm-hmm. And I personally am like a huge advocate for open adoption. If it's yeah. a, like, if you're able yeah, to if it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, just because honestly, for me, like as an, as the biological mom, I think it'd be easier for me to not see him because sure. it, it would be like easier for me to just like cut ties and move yeah. on. Yeah. There's definitely been seasons where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like yeah. I need to just walk away. Yeah. But then I'm like, no, that's like, this is helpful for him because yes. if he ever has any questions about like my feelings towards him and how much I love him, I never want him growing up thinking that he like wasn't loved. Sure. Um, yeah. And that's the feeling that I had growing up of like, I wasn't good enough. There was something wrong mm-hmm. with me mm-hmm. that made me like defective and they needed to get rid of me. Yeah. And sorry, I'm like kind of going off a little, like off a little, but no, I think this is important to say. I also think because of how we often talk about adoption, like my story was, I think very similar to a lot of people. My parents couldn't get pregnant. They tried IVF. IVF didn't work. They adopted me and then they had a biological kid. Okay. So like biological child was their first choice. First choice. Mm -hmm. And that's how it, like you, you rarely hear people say like, like most of the time when we talk about adoption, it's like, oh, well, they couldn't have biological kids. And so they adopted. Or sure. Like, we tried IVF for X amount of years and yep. spent X amount of dollars on IVF and we couldn't, so we adopted. It's like, yeah. what if adoption was not your plan B or C? Uh, yes. And so then you grow up as a kid thinking, I wasn't really wanted. It was just like the best they could do. Yeah. Um, and I never want my son to feel like he was just discarded by me and then not really wanted. And I mean, his parents do an amazing job of like, yeah, loving him well. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that that would, I think his experience will be like amazing. His mom also just has a lot more education available to her Mm -hmm. than my mom did and Mm -hmm. my parents. So like, I think a lot has changed, right? Yeah, but I still think he's going to hear those same narratives. He's going to mm-hmm. hear, oh, your parents can have kids or like so-and-so can have kids. So they adopted. And that's totally, I don't, I don't think that that's wrong. That's mm-hmm. like, that's the truth. That's what yes. happened. But like, maybe we could switch the way that we're talking about that. Or yeah. if they know who their biological parents are, maybe it's like, oh, I wasn't just unwanted. And yes. like a plan B, like, I was loved and also am still loved. Absolutely. So anyway. I think that's really beautiful that you are available to him 
to fill in those gaps. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, cause as he gets older, I'm sure he'll have more questions. You know what I yeah. mean? And how amazing that he has, you know, his adoptive parents and he has you to give right. him a whole picture. You know what I mean? Yes. Of all the things, yeah. you know, yeah. I think that's really, really beautiful. And I mean, I don't know, hopefully this will like change the stigma. Like if more and more people are having relationships, like he Absolutely. and I have, it's like, hopefully over time we can change the stigma of like adoption. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. 100%, 100%. And I just, I love that. What you just said, like you called it like a tangent or whatever, but I think that was so good because it's like, I'm even guilty of that. Like if I have a friend that's like struggling to get yeah. pregnant or something, I'll be like, what about adopting? Like kind yes. of like, I know it's not ideal, but you could try that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, that's like such a sad spin to put on it. You know what I mean? Right. Like it doesn't have to be this plan B, C, D, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, I think that it's like, it's so hard because it's like, that is the reality. If you can't have kids, like there is always adoption. Sure. But like, it would be cool if people came to the table and said, do we want to have, do we want to try to have biological kids first or do we want to adopt or we do we yeah. just want to adopt? Yeah. Um, rather than it being like, yeah, just, I mean, I'm even guilty at my, I have a friend who was having trouble getting pregnant. I was like, have you considered adoption? Yeah. And yeah. So it's like, we all, I do that. And exactly. It's not like it's like, bad, <laughs> but it's just but, considering the right. connotations of it, you know? Right. Yes. I think that's just really so. interesting. I think your story, you have like said a thousand things that I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's so good. That's so good. That's, and this is why it's so important to share our stories. That that yes. This is my soapbox like about so what else in general. Like this is why <laughs> it's so important for people to share their stories and for people to listen to stories that yeah. they don't relate to at all, right? Like yes. <laughs> that's a big one is that I think sometimes people like with podcasts, for example, they'll scroll. They'll be like, oh, this is about adoption that I'm not in the triad. I don't right. care. No, all the more reason for you to listen because yes. it helps like build empathy, understanding, awareness of like what is going on in the world around you. You know what I mean? Yes. And the people that inter that you interact with in right. your life, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I listened to your podcast recently with Misty and oh, like, yeah. I remember being like, okay, well, this isn't going to really relate to me, mm -hmm. but, um, I was just like blown away by her story. And right. Yeah. Like I love hearing other people's stories and just, it's like, yeah, it creates this level of empathy that you wouldn't mm -hmm. otherwise have. And what an awesome experience or what an awesome opportunity we have in like this day and age. Yes. To be able to like listen to people's mm -hmm. stories and like gain that perspective without, you know, necessarily having to sit down with someone and be like, so totally friendships in life. Right. <laughs> so what's the, what's your hardest thing you've ever been through? Tell yeah. me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, For sure. Yeah, totally. I just want to end with asking you, what would yeah. you say to someone who might be listening to this though, who's maybe like found herself pregnant and she's like, I, I can't raise this baby. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what would you say to her? Yeah, I would say find resources like near you yeah. um, as soon as possible, because regardless of like what your choice is going to be, you're going to need resources. So yeah. like whether that's a, you know, pregnancy center or just um, like a church or a counseling group. Um, mm -hmm. I think you can even go to like AA meetings and like, even if you don't have like, just find a group that you can talk to yeah. people about what's going on. Sure. Um, and then I would also say 
like find the resources. If you can find a counselor, like Mm -hmm. do that. Yes. Um, And then like really consider, like spend time considering what it would look like to like what it is that's scaring you about raising the baby. Like there, there are some like really amazing resources out there that like help women who find themselves pregnant and who can't raise a baby alone. Like Mm -hmm. there are resources, find them. Mm -hmm. And like, if that's the reason why you don't think that you can raise the baby is just because you can't like, you know, you don't have the resources. Um, but like make an actual list, like write it down of reasons why you don't think that you can raise the baby and like what your like end goal is for you and the child. Um, like, is it that they thrive? Um, is it that they have a relationship with you? Like, what's your goal? Are you, you know, wanting to go, like, what do you want to experience with that child without the child? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I think addressing the fears will then help you kind of, mm-hmm. those fears are going to come up at some point, mm-hmm. um, like before or after you made a decision. So yeah. like you might as well just address them head on yeah, and like figure out what it is that you're afraid of and then decide if you can face those fears or if like, you know, an alternative is better. Mm-hmm. And like, what is, what are going to be, think about the impact of like long-term implications of mm-hmm. that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the short term. Cause like for me to think that I could have a baby and then literally the next day return back to normal, like this has drastically impacted the way that I live yeah. um, and like who I am. And mm-hmm. so figure that out too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so find resources, uh, find a counselor if you can yeah, and like make a list of mm. fears and like future state. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I know I said that was my last question, but I lied. My real last question is what is your favorite snack right now? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm a pretty healthy eater, which, and I don't have kids right now. So yes. like, I don't, I feel like moms always have these like little snacks that are like, you know, they're like, oh, I snuck a few of my kids. Yeah. Cheese its And I'm like, Ooh, that sounds good. But like, I don't really have those in my house. So I have like lame snacks. Yeah. Um, but my favorite snack right now is probably, uh, I like love chocolate and peanut butter. And so I got me these, too. Yeah. Who, like, you don't, you should probably get yourself yeah. checked. My sister um, like, doesn't like it. And it, <gasps> like, she's like, Oh yeah, no Reese's. And I'm like, are you okay? Like what, <laughs> like, what, like you have an issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually met someone who doesn't like peanut butter recently. And I was like, what is wrong? With I you? think you might have an issue. Yeah. Like, yeah. Psychopath. Get that checked <laughs> out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I should not judge people for not like, <laughs> you know, I do. It's okay. I do. Um, yeah. But I get these, um, rice cakes and they're chocolate, like the chocolate rice cakes. Yeah. And I put peanut butter and banana on top. And that's yeah. Like yeah. So that's my like little go-to snack right now when I'm like, that's really, a good snack. I should actually yeah. make that for my kids too. Yes. Cause I feel like that's a good way to get like some nutrients in, but it's like yeah. very tasty. Yeah. It kind of tastes like a, a nutter butter, especially yeah. if you don't put the banana on it, like the texture and stuff. Yes. So, you know, love that. Yeah. That's a good one. Snacks. Yeah. Love that. Um, well, Whitney, yeah. this was amazing. I mean, I could go on and on. Like, this was really, I loved talking to you. Like, you have mm-hmm. so much wisdom and insight. And I am just so thankful for you being willing to be vulnerable and share your story with us. I know this is going to touch a lot of people. 
Well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on and I'm excited. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions. Parable Productions.